Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Broadcast live here on YouTube, if you're live. YouTube, uh, very early in the morning in Arizona, not so early where I am at, but my name is Tim Tompkins, joining us as always, Mr. Uh, let's go with Dave, Dave King. You hey, always, hey, hey. You always go with Dave, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and of course... The star of the show, the real reason why anybody tunes in and gives us any attention Very at true. all, Mr. Greg Esposito. How you doing, buddy? Oh, hoy, hoy, everybody. Very uh, true. I don't uh, know about that. I he's think on Dave, every fucking podcast in the past week, too, so people have heard him everywhere. This is the incredibly popular, very famous mumbler espo that, that's dude, seriously true. you were on like every single sun's podcast in the last week and a half it was uh, quite impressive the timeline uh the five on. five seconds or less they're five minutes or less locked on yeah uh, i think that's all that's left right except for fanning the flames which those, hey, uh, yeah, those guys don't invite me anywhere sun's report yeah oh, sun, those... well, and sun's report i haven't met those guys yet so uh well I'm... that was gonna be our uh, Wednesday night party, but I ended up doing a happy hour with my girls instead. My Skype happy hour, yeah. or not Skype, but FaceTime happy hour with my girls instead, and you guys lost. I think out. that's actually probably better for everybody. So it was better for me. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm uh, I'm making the rounds. I, I figure you know what everybody uh, deserves a little espo, so I'll share little pieces of me uh, around. A little espo in your life. Just because we have to social distance doesn't mean I can't be social. So, And so I do want to uh, take a minute to thank a listener, one of our supporters, Sarah Combs. Um, thank you so much. We really do appreciate we you. We have a female supporter. We do. A whopping one. Um, and that so means if one female listener, we've broken through, guys, finally. <laughs> our listener count is incredibly rising. So if you want to support the show, you feel like you get something out of it, there's a support the show button on YouTube. It's in the notes below. If you're listening to the podcast, just open up the show notes. That is there. Um, so thank you guys, all of you uh, that support the show. We really do appreciate you. Uh, but getting to the sun. So Booker, this week was named Special Olympics Global Global Am Ambassador. Um, I did have an opportunity earlier in the year to um, volunteer as well for the Special Olympics. And I can't tell you... Uh, uh, how incredible of an experience that is. And it's really awesome Devin Booker is doing that. Obviously, his 17-year-old sister influenced part of this, but um, what he is going to get out of this and, of course, uh, what all the athletes for the Special Olympics are going to get out of this is just truly um, in incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah, and Devin's always been uh, been great in, in this realm. I mean, obviously, his, his sister uh is has special needs so he's very familiar with it but uh there's a young uh, young female fan named uh, Jenna that's always at games who's also yep. special needs and and Devin uh befriended her the second he came to the valley uh, Jenna's actually one of my favorite uh fans that I got to know uh, in my time there too and uh he's he's 
just the way he he interacted with her, it does not surprise me that this is uh, something that he wants to do and and is passionate about. And I'm great to see. I'm glad to see that he gets uh, such a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, Jenna's very cool. We say hi every day, every time uh, before the game starts. You know, yeah. watching the players warm up. She's a cool kid. Yeah. Uh, so we do get a comment by somebody watching on the YouTube chat right now. And I have thought this before, so I want to pose it to you guys as well. All right. So Kurt, he says, I have a question. Is it possible for the team to be renamed the Arizona Suns? Just a thought, Liz, uh, timing in there as well. So I guess we have two female listeners. Uh, shout out to, to Liz. Um, I, you know, growing up in Tucson, I used to kind of think the same thing. Did you Why say can't timing it... in there? What? When you said Liz, did you say timing in there? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Anyways, continue. Hey, he said. He said Liz was timing in. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> Just wondering. Sorry. <laughs> no, look. Look. Okay. I. I get, oh, Liz is timing in. I, I get that. That people wonder about this, but hell no, we're not. Never gonna make it the Arizona Suns. Like that. No. It's the one team left that has Phoenix in their name. It's a 50-plus year tradition. Uh, you know, if if you can't root for a team because it says Phoenix in the name, even though you live elsewhere in the state, I'm sorry. But, no, we've seen too many of these teams acquiesce to that, and the Suns are not going to be one of them. I, I will lose my mind if they ever go that route. I, and I thought if they had left downtown, there may have been a slight possibility they considered it, but they're the one team uh, that will likely play in downtown for the next uh, decade or two at least. The Diamondbacks, are, I have a feeling, are, are likely eventually going to move. So they'll be the one true team in downtown Phoenix. We are, I just I don't want to see them change the name. There's too much history. I just, no, no, they are the Phoenix Suns. They are not the Arizona Suns, and it needs to remain that way. It's not we no. are AZ, it's we are PHX, damn it. So. That's true. It was okay for the Phoenix Cardinals to rename themselves the Arizona Cardinals to get more uh, appeal. Uh, and then you've got the Coyotes. Um what are they right now, anyway? They're the Arizona Coyotes, but look. That's what I thought. Yeah, they switched, too, but they didn't have the history that the Phoenix Suns do. So I I, I agree with Greg that they should say the Phoenix Suns because that, that's what they really are, and it's weird when a team changes like that after all those years. So I think um, even though they really are an entire Arizona team, uh, I don't think they should change. Well, look, the difference here, too, is – the Coyotes played in downtown Phoenix and moved to Glendale. They felt like they had to change the name because Glendale footed the bill for that arena, and they had another city's name uh, in in their name. And then the Cardinals never played in Phoenix. They played in Tempe, and now they play in Glendale. So I totally get changing the name. But the Suns have always, and from what it seems, will always play in in Phoenix. So changing the name would just be uh, to acquiesce or, or, you know, to, to people outside of, of the Phoenix area. And I just don't see why you need to do that. There's a tradition there. So let's just keep it the way it is. Tim, would you like to time in? Yeah. Time in. (laughs) Seriously, Tim. 
Did we catch you at the wrong time? Where'd he go? He left. <laughs> Tim left the room. Uh, okay. Well, I... All right. Well, he's not going to time in right now. So I guess we're not supposed to do that anymore. I guess I, I guess I'm going to leave the uh, the wording alone. Uh, <laughs> oh, is he pissed? I don't know. We'll find out so- shortly. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I, changing the name to Arizona, you know. I just I don't see the benefit. Uh, I don't think you're going to sell more merchandise that way. Uh, I you're going to kind of stick your thumb at you know at at the tradition uh, of the or thumb your nose, excuse me, at the tradition that is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what you're going to change jerseys that say Phoenix to have Arizona on them? Uh, you know, it, it just it just seems weird to me. I, it doesn't. It, it just it almost feels dirty to me to think of that like it's just wrong uh, in so many ways and i you apologize out, aren't you? D- d- well i have to our host isn't here so <laughs> <laughs> what would you like me to do we could sit in silence if you'd like we, can, mean, we can move on uh, i don't have the, i fine i what, have the show notes the next what, item up for bids is the 2k tournament I will bid right. one dollar on that, Bob. I actually, I um, I actually tuned in on ESPN two the other night to watch the last few minutes of the two K game between DeAndre Aiden and Trey Young. Uh, I don't usually catch all those. I don't love watching those guys playing on the screen and while the, um, while the players are just mumbling and stuff. I don't, I don't love that. Um, but it's you know, it's something to do. <laughs> Right now, I much preferred listening to John Bloom actually call it like a real game on a radio setting. Um, but it was it was it was good to do. And Aiden did beat Trey Young. So now DeAndre Aiden and while Devin Booker also beat uh, Rui Hachimura. Um, so, I mean, it was only 16 points, but it sounded like um, through Twitter anyway, it sounded like it was so bad. It was much, much of a wider, much wider spread than that. Um, and so it looks like uh, DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker are in are both in the semifinals against two Clippers. The Clippers are Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly. So can you imagine? Those two seem like the two most competitive guys uh, sometimes on the on the Clippers that aren't stars. And so you got the two Sun stars against the the two uh, supporting players on the Clippers, and we'll see what happens. Hey, well, what do you think, right? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's Phoenix Suns players in a semifinal. I, I imagine somehow virtual refs will screw somebody over or some bizarre, you know, three-quarter court shot will wind up winning a game in this. Uh, that or it would seem quite fitting that the Suns' first championship would come uh, virtually during a quarantine in a video game. Have you been following along, Tim? Uh, yeah, I watched one of the games. I mean, it just felt like pretty quarantine-ish sitting there watching. Some guy texted me, he's like, dude, I'm watching drone racing. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's certainly a thing. That's, uh, that's about what they got going on right now. What do you, um, got, what but, do you, well, what do you guys think about the, uh, the horse tournament? You think that'll be any better than the video game stuff? Dude, well, my, my thing, my thing about that is I don't know. Well, for one, you have to have the cameras 
set up, right? So they're like, quarantine this, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's got to be a camera crew of some kind that's in there. So as long as you aren't really going to respect the, like, the six-foot social distancing, just put them in the same area. And then obviously with horse, you have to mark where you made the shot from. So I don't yeah, know how they're they going to do measured, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a way that would be uh, <clears throat> one accurate, but for two all that interesting. Although I am really excited, there is some uh, uh, WNBA presence in it, and also I think it's really cool that uh, Paul Pierce is going to be uh, competing too. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious. Yeah, there's not going to be any dunk parts. Then. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious if uh, if they don't actually have professional cameras and they basically have to shoot using multiple phones or webcams around these people's personal gyms. So we, it, you know, th this, this whole thing's been the great equalizer, right? We've been doing yeah. this for three yeah. years this way. And now the whole world, late night shows, sports, yeah. everybody has to film their crap this way. So yeah, man. It's, so the range on the late <laughs> night shows is interesting. Like, uh, again, we're assuming the social distancing is being honored. Um, I'm just making some assumptions like uh, Jimmy Fallon, just simply has his wife carry with a handheld camera doing their doing their videos, and he's not even dressing up or anything like that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Stephen Colbert, who does look like he has a professional setup with all the right lighting and everything. But I don't know who's running it or anything like that. But it does look like he's got it all set up professionally in his house. So and then, <clears throat> so I don't know about that. And then you watch NBA TV. Oh my God! I don't know why I switched over to NBA TV the other day since there's no NBA, but I did. And it's just these players with these weird, grainy video filming of themselves in their houses against a wall. And it's all shaky, like Blair Witch Project and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, this is the great equalizer. You're right, Greg. We've all figured this out. And they're all talking into a tunnel. Remember Tim, like, training us how not to talk into a tunnel <laughs> three years ago. And nope, you got to get the foam. Nope, you got to do this. You got to do that. And And we all sound like we're not in a tunnel anymore. And these dudes... They have no idea how to make that work. Thank you, coronavirus. Tim, you, need to be the, you need to be the counselor <laughs> yeah. to the stars, Tim. No, 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 no. I just, well, you know, if we had the budget to do it the, the way we really want to, you know, but um, I, yeah, I think we're good. Well, we already, we do sound better than almost all of them now. <laughs> and, they the <laughs> and they do have the budget. And they do have budgets. Right. That's Jesus. the embarrassing part. Speaking of quarantine, though, Frank Kaminsky, man, Dave, I, I saw you tweet this the other day. Oh, yeah. I'm going to uh, put it up on bright side today, too. Dude, Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, yeah, that was that was yeah. great. And then at the end, when he got into the jacuzzi with his uh, with his shoes. shoes on, man, just uh, <laughs> just savage. But honestly, that kind of looked like a pretty damn good workout. Like, try and do that three times in a row. Hey, oh, Frank. I can imagine. Frank, I beg of you, put on a shirt on your Instagram. I've seen enough of you shirtless. Look, man. All I... right, please. <laughs> put your shirt back on. <laughs> um, I am comfortable in myself, and I think he looks good with the shirt off. So good for him. I'm not saying that he does Actually, doesn't... more on that than in the locker room. He, that, he's... But that's enough. He's more pale than that I'd like to see. And it's how I he's imagine. He's getting a tan. He's it's getting a tan. It's, it's how looking... I imagine. He looks how I imagine Look, if somebody stretched ghosty. me to I like mean, uh, seven feet tall. Really, he's got the really white skin. He's one of those guys. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's from Wisconsin, although I don't think he is. He went to school there, but I don't think yeah. he's from there. I can't remember where he's from, but he looks like he's from there. 
So tanning is always going to be an adventure for someone like that. Don't judge. Don't hey. judge. Hey, he's going to get sunburned. All right. <laughs> but anyway, yes, that was that was pretty cool. Him doing that little uh, homemade CrossFit challenge was 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 fun. I liked the uh, first the one I saw before that was shared by Rex Chapman. I think uh, it was Jeremy Roenick doing yeah. something like that. And then Frank, um, I don't know who went first, but that I saw Frank's second. And I thought that was I thought they were both good. I think Ronix was better just because it was the first one I saw. Fabio in the chat says Frank improved his grade after that video. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, his knee looks healthy. He did the he did the the ladder uh, whatever those things ladder steps. Um, he looked like his knee was healthy, and he had been talking on his on his uh, podcast. He's now back. They've only done three in a couple of weeks, but he and his buddies are doing that podcast. And he talked about how he was only a few weeks away from being a hundred percent cleared when this started. So he was actually kind of excited if the NBA season does continue at some point, he'd be perfectly healthy. And he thinks Kelly would be perfectly healthy too. Well, there's going to be some other teams that are also going to have the same luck. Be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, really that, that whole equalizer thing. Um, uh, Kurt bringing something up that I think we all saw on um, Instagram or Twitter or whatever the other day. It was Isaiah Thomas uh, posting a picture of the um, lineup with him, Gorn, and Bledsoe saying it would have worked in today's game. Then you saw P.J. Tucker right underneath that saying it was working in that year's game as well with like an angry emoji. Um, uh, do you guys see that? What were your thoughts? Yeah, well, I was wondering if P.J. Tucker was actually saying that to Isaiah because it was super clear in that locker room, 100% clear in that locker room that the one – well, Goran Dragic liked it the least, but Isaiah Thomas didn't like it either because he wasn't starting. Uh, and he was he complained as much as he enjoyed that lineup. Uh, so today, yeah, maybe today it's more acceptable and Isaiah would be happy about it, of course, today because he's not starting anymore because of his hip issues. Um, he'd be okay with it. You're right. Um, but uh, that it was working that year. I mean, Isaiah hated it and Goran Dragic hated it. So I know PJ's right that they were pretty good. They were 28 and 21 at one point that season. So it was pretty good. Um, it was very effective, but nobody was happy with it. Yeah, I mean, the point guardians of the galaxy, uh, as we used to jokingly call them, actually did work. It was egos that got in the way of that group. And I actually think they probably would have been a playoff team if they had kept it together and these guys hadn't lost their freaking minds over it. PJ's right in what he was saying. And Dave, I think you're right that he was it, he was directing that angry emoji probably towards Isaiah because the, everything we heard was he was uh, the one that, that, that started the locker room fracturing, right? Uh, and if if they've could have just kept it in check, not intentionally. No, I not mean, intentionally. Really, like, he didn't just with want his to attitude. break down the locker room. He was just pissed that he wasn't starting. He was, you know, he was that he was that prove myself syndrome. And he did become an all star after leaving the Suns. So obviously, he had more to show than coming off the bench. For his, I think he had 15 points and uh, four assists a game or something like that coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah. I get it. You wanted a bigger role fine, but you could have accepted the role you had and made the most of it. So part of that, I don't know if PJ was actually aiming that at Isaiah, but he should have been. Well, look, why do you sign with the team that already has two point guards if you're going to be upset that you're going to be the sixth man off the bench? So was going to get himself off the team. 
Well, he thought no, they thought he was going to be injured. That was an injury uh, policy. It was, it was it was covering for both because he was the restricted free agent too. Yeah, I mean, um, and then they they got a lot of uh, stone cold silence from uh, Rich Paul at the beginning of the summer before signing Isaiah Thomas. So he was partly Bledsoe uh, leaving replacement and partly exactly uh, what you were saying an injury coverage because Bledsoe did have an injury history and I thought it was a fine signing. I didn't think playing all three at the same time was the right thing to do back then. It would be more acceptable now. Isaiah is a hundred percent right on this. It'd be more acceptable now for those three to play every day with the, with everyone not freaking out. Um, that's like, okay. See man. Okay. See like roll out like four, yes. four point guards. <laughs> that's exactly what got them so good this year is playing all those guys at once. And so the Suns would be fine with it now and, and probably Gorn would accept it more. Um, and Isaiah might accept it more. Absolutely. He's right on that. But, um, back then that was, um, a tough thing to tough thing to make work. And Jeff Hornacek tried, uh, well, before he lost the locker room. Well, look, I think, too, and and I'm pretty sure Ryan McDonough would admit this, that this was one of those moves that was made more based on the analytics than thinking about the the actual human side of the right. entire well, thing. The analytics said that this that. would work, you know. I mean, that, that's Ryan McDonough's M.O. That was his entire M.O. the entire time no. he was a GM. I mean, I love Ryan McDonough, but his his entire fault line was really – always looking at the analytical side of basketball and never really understanding the, the human side of it. Well, I remember sitting in yeah. that, that summer, we had a uh, all-employee summit uh, off, uh, off-site from the arena, and we wound up actually having the analytics team do a presentation on these three guards and how they were showing uh, the numbers. And, and it was one of the time, a few times we got a peek behind the curtain of the thought process. And, uh, they were showing how these three guards would make sense and how they actually thought analytically that Isaiah might be uh, the best of the three uh, based on it. And they thought they got such a great value signing. And they did. I mean, the the price point that they paid for Isaiah Thomas, when you consider what he went on to do on that contract for Boston after the trade, I mean, they got the hell of a deal. I think it was $26 million, uh, over four years, I believe it was. I, don't quote me on that, but something like that. I mean, it was a ridiculously low deal that they wound up getting him on. Uh, and, and yeah, but when you put all that together and you don't think about that, and then Hornacek tried his best, but he never was the the guy that seemed to have a complete command of a locker no. room, right? I loved, I loved Jeff Hornacek, but you're right. He never really had the command of the young guys in the yeah. locker room. They created a faction that tolerated him, liked him, but didn't respect him and didn't do what he said. Um, I feel like, and this is just me projecting because we obviously don't know, but I feel like Monty Williams would have more success integrating those three, even back then, than um, than Jeff Hornacek did. Yeah, I, I think so. Jeff, Jeff was a really good coach, but yeah, it was always a weird feeling. And it, honestly... I think the Morai had more to do with that than any of the point guards in terms of undermining yeah. Hornacek's authority and kind of uh, uh, dis, uh, uh, you know, just getting disengaged from him. Yes. Yeah, like uh, well, throwing towels at him. 
Well, yeah. I mean, the, oh, yeah. God. I mean, by the end, it was it was very self destruction. Look on. up the timeline of self destruction in the Morris Brothers. Google it, and you'll see our posts on Brightside. There's just crazy how many things they did to undermine the team, even in a public way. And you know, you know, we weren't aware of everything. We were only aware of some of the things that well, happened. Yeah, they did all that, and it just took Eric Bledsoe to send one innocuous tweet that nobody knew, you know, if it, if well, it was definitely okay. about that or not, to get kicked off the team. So you know freaking what? Let, bizarre. Let's, let's, the bottom line on all this, though, is it wasn't any of those guys' fault because the GM put them all together. It's really the GM's fault. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's no, true. No, the more I was not, the more I, uh, Keith, or Kurt, sorry, Kurt Vermejo, the more I was nice until the other brother got traded. That's only when no. casual fans, and I'm not calling you a casual fan, man. You're, you're probably not. Um, that's when you noticed, but no. When those two were together that past that last year, look up timeline of self-destruction. Those guys as a team were destroying the Suns together on that team, and that's why a Morris brother got traded because they couldn't control the Morai. Well, look, even before uh, Marcus got here, Markeith was not the nice, the nicest guy in the world. I'm, I'm just gonna but tell you that. But he was at least was. he was a little respectful, like he wasn't openly defying. And then no, as soon as he, Marcus got here, then it was open defiance. Yeah, but you know the the irony is that was I'm trying to remember when that was before uh, McDonough, wasn't it? Wasn't that a Lance Blanks, uh, Lon Babby move when they got Marcus? Yeah, it was, a, yeah. it was a Blanks and Babby, and actually Babby was pretty proud of it, but um, he was admittedly, exp- he was hoping that, um, Wait, that are you sure? you know, the coaching staff, re- yeah, yeah, it was a I Babby. Remember, I, I, am I almost... remember when they signed, when they signed, uh, when the, the, uh, when they signed Marcus, I just, I have this real clear memory of Ryan McDonough sitting there. Um, at the podium, they traded for Marcus uh, because I remember yeah, I was on the deadline. road with the team when they when they got him, and I'm pretty sure uh, it was look. It was McDonough who gave them the extensions. That's like what they I'm gave the combo okay. contract, and they were both happy. It was yeah, man, that was so wild. That was when they started not having press conferences um, when things happened, and they waited until the last second to do stuff. So that same media day morning, before media day started, which was the end of September, um, they had the more I do their little, hey, we're awesome. Wasn't that the same day? I think it was. And then, and then they then they had Eric Bledsoe come in because he had just signed his extension, and so everybody was happy on media day because they just got money. Yeah, so it was February 20th, 2013, which would have still been under Lance Blanks because, yeah, I was in that, L.A. That with Marcus the team was when they acquired. made it. Yeah, yes. when he was acquired from Houston. But the extensions happened after that 2013-14 Cinderella season, uh, and then that's, that's I think, what you're remembering, Tim, yes, is, is. is the smiling. Yeah. yeah. And that was McDonough. But Babby was mostly the uh, the guy on the Morai. He totally believed in the Morai and he's right. I mean, they're still good players in the NBA. Yeah. Um, he was right as far as talent and ability to play in today's game. Cause they both really fit the modern game too, to an extent. Um, well, Marcus <clears throat> was straight up coveted this season by uh, contending teams. He yeah. was right. And he was going to be a good player for the Clippers in the playoffs. Absolutely. Look, I, I, I love Lon Babby, but, 
in part his whole giving them one contract that they could divvy up the money thing was part of why this thing went so south when they traded Marcus too, because it gave them the feeling of we're a package deal. You know, nothing's going to happen to one of us without the other. And then when you trade one, it, it makes a comp- a situation more complicated than it needs to be uh, as well. And I love Lon, but I, I think that added to the whole thing. We got off on a really weird tangent here. <laughs> yeah, we did. We kind of went down a rabbit hole. So back to this started with, did we see Isaiah Thomas's post this week? Yes, we did. And uh, you're right, it would work. Uh, it would work in today's NBA. Absolutely. And I actually just for grins would love to see it just happen again, even though Isaiah Thomas is a little hobbled and, and Goran Dragic is going to have to have a cane pretty soon. Um, I'd still love to see those three play together. doesn't have to be in Phoenix because we don't have any of those dudes left. Um, but you know, it would be fun to watch it. I certainly don't want to see those three play together at this point in their careers. <laughs> I, I, I well, also not on kind the Suns. I kind of also don't want to watch Isaiah Thomas play basketball anymore either. I mean, it's it's a shame um, that that hip injury just, you know, not the same. Uh, Goran Dragic, love watching him play, but uh, I just and I don't enjoy watching Bledsoe. I never really enjoyed watching Bledsoe. I'm still not a fan of his game, um, so. I, I disagree, Dave. So let's bring this back. Let's just bring this back to right now. <clears throat> I, I I prefer watching Ricky Rubio, broken shot and all, to any of these dudes. Yes. Well, no. I prefer well, Goran sorry, over Goran. Ricky. I, but the younger Goran. Yes. Even today's Goran I still love watching. But um, the, the today's Ricky is more effective over a full season than today's Goran. Yes. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. It's not even close, really. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, someone in the chat still remember Keith dropping thirty-five on LeBron. Yes, and then refusing to be interviewed afterwards, just walking out of the locker room, pushing his way through Julie Fi to get out of the locker room, even though she's trying to stop him, saying, "That was your best game of your career. You should talk to these guys." He. He is a jerk, all right? Uh, that's the nicest way to put it. Uh, I remember a time I'm coming out of the tunnel. I may have told this story because I think I've told every story I have on this show over the last three years. But I was walking through the tunnel before a game and uh, and carrying a bunch of equipment. And Mark Heath, on purpose, uh, saw me coming around the corner and dropped his shoulder into me. Like, literally knocked me over and started oh, laughing Jesus. and walked on the court. I'm like, oh, what, what, what is this, high school? Like, oh, what? the audio video guy's walking by. Let's knock him over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, there's such fake toughness yeah. from them. What, are you um, saying I couldn't take Markeith Morris? I, 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 no, I said it was fake toughness from Markeith. <laughs> you could have took him. Sure. <laughs> you know, you know you what, bite Greg? him on the shins. <laughs> I, I, I love you as a human being, but uh, I would not bet a mortgage payment on you huh. winning that battle. I would look like Jeff Van Gundy holding on to, I think, yeah. what was it, Patrick <laughs> Ewing's leg? No, Alonzo Mourning's leg in that 90s of so That, that would was be my me. first thought, too. Yeah, that would Especially be me. Especially with you describing being on the ground after being pushed over. <laughs> you, yeah, it would have looked exactly <laughs> like that. Uh, so we have been, we're finishing up this series that we've dragged out probably as, as long as it was possible. <laughs> wait, 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 one more comment. If you yeah. do it right, though, the Jeff Van Gundy, it's um um 
Oh my God, I just forgot it. This uh, was well worth it. Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> has made it has made it popular to just dive at someone's ankles. Who's who is it? It's uh, he does it to all the sorts of people. Sports. He, does he does it, it to, it to Ron Wolfley. He does it Wolfley, yeah. yes. And if you grab both ankles, you can topple them over. So the Greg, when you're down there doing the Van Gundy. Just grab both ankles, and you can knock him right over. Yeah, and, and I probably would have gotten jumped in the parking garage after if I had pulled that well, off. Well, I can't so. speak to uh, parking garages <laughs> afterwards when the lights are off, but definitely there would have been good. And then, yeah, we just said rest in peace. <laughs> All right. So on that note, we have been doing this series. I think we're on our fourth week at this point. Um, maybe the fifth week, not really 100% sure, where we have been grading the... <laughs> time, is, time is a flat circle, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the players, we've gone down by position. Just want to give um, you watching right now on YouTube or listening on the podcast a bit of a refresher. Um, the worst rated players that we had so far uh, for the season was uh, Ellie Kobo, Dave giving him an F. Greg giving him an F and myself giving him a C minus as well as Tyler Johnson, um, who I guess technically would be the worst rated with Dave giving him a D minus Greg giving him an F and myself giving him an F and the highest rated player that we had for this team, uh, Frank Kaminsky. (laughs) Again, let's remind ourselves that this is, Compared to expectations, this Who? is not that we think Frank is the best player on the team. Dave gave him he an A. He just exceeded expectations more than anyone. Greg gave him an A, and I gave him a B. Uh, so <laughs> what's, what's going to be difficult with this, so let me kind of refresh on the grading scale, was this, again, to Dave's point, is all based off of expectations. Where did we? What did we expect him to do? This season. So an A was nearly perfect and far exceeded our expectations for them as a player. That's why I gave Devin Booker, um, I, I think, a, a C plus or a B minus, something around there, because my expectations were so high for him. A B was good, exceeded expectations. A C is fine. They did exactly what you thought they were going to do. Nothing wrong with that. They lived up to expectations. D would be a disappointing season, worse than expected. F would be get this mofo off the team. So on this episode, we are going to grade Monty Williams, Robert Sarver, and James Jones. So get this mofo off the team would mean very different things, really, <laughs> for these type of, of individuals. But regardless, we're going to say they, they no longer should be involved either in ownership or management if we give them F. Now, that being said, I do want to start with Monty Williams. Um, and so I'll kind of sum a couple of things, a couple of thoughts I had up here and then let you guys give your grades on him. OK, mm-hmm. uh, he turned the Suns into the uh, team that is number one in assists per games um, this season. A huge improvement on rebounding. They went from like 30th to like 22nd. Uh, It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's actually a a pretty damn big deal. And I think that part of that can also go over 17th in rebound percentage. There you go. Part of that can go over to James Jones though. And uh, you know, Robert Sarver for, for um, putting the team together negatives. Um, Monty Williams out of timeout play calls. I thought were some of the worst in the NBA. I don't know if that was because of him or because of the talent on the floor, but they could never get a bucket off of a timeout. And it was absolutely infuriating. Um, he had these stubborn ass rotations at the end of the first and the third quarters. And he played Ellie Kobo way, 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 way too much. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. You could, you could say that a, 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 
F. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know what that Elliot Kobo love was. Um, he was struggling with himself on some of the play. Like, okay, so Monty went into this year going, look, this is an experimental year. We're going to try things. We're going to see what works. We're going to put in a system we think will work, and then we're going to see which players succeed. And he, the entire year, wanted to try guys regardless of record. And we were all just so sick of, and letting them grow and develop and struggle sometimes so that they could get better. Cause you got to get it on film before you can show a guy what he's doing wrong. But man, his love of Elliot Kobo was just unfathomable for so long this past year. So oh, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy how much he played Ellie. But <laughs> <clears throat> going back to, um, uh, I love that he came up with a scheme that worked and, and he and his coaching staff, let's let Monty. I think he's the extension of his entire coaching staff and player development staff. So we'll, we'll give them collectively this grade. Um, Oh, are we going to grade the training staff? But that's a sidebar. Um, so the, the <laughs> coaching staff and, and Monty with the head of it, I, it was incredible. Tim, you listed all the superlatives out, all the things that mattered. Um, the bottom line is they were 19th in net rating for the year. Um, net rating being, you know, um, the net points per hundred possessions. So basically flattening out the game for the fast and slow teams, flattening it all out. The suns were 19th. That's the, that's the best they've been in a long time. I know people are like, woohoo. Yeah, great. But that is great because they're going in the right direction. He did it with not much better talent on the roster than the prior teams that had. Um, he just used them better and he got the most out of Devin Booker. He didn't even have to like make Devin Booker less of a player. He didn't have to make DeAndre Ayton less of a focal point who had been two focal points on a 30th ranked everything last year. Um, he just made everything else work around it. And I think that's so good. Yeah. His out of timeouts were hit and miss, mostly miss his tries, his attempts to win games in the final possession at the end of games was infuriating. Like why not send it to overtime sometimes instead of going for that hero three, um, he put Devin Booker in positions to uh, fail on final shots. But I guess, you know, what most um, hero shots do look like fails if you miss them. Um, some guys make them, some guys don't. Some years you make them, some years you don't. So, But he put these guys in position to be really good this year. They could have been a lot better than they actually were. They just lost those one-point or those uh, one-possession games. I really think Monty Williams deserves a huge huge amount of credit for this season and uh, and his his coaching staff as an extension. So I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to give Monty Williams, oh, but I thought he'd be pretty good. So related to expectations, not nearly perfect. I, I have to settle on a B. I'm going to settle on a B. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what Monty Williams was able to do, and you mentioned Devin Booker, he built a system and got Devin Booker to buy into that offensive system, and it didn't actually cost Devin points or, or assists. It, it was a way to actually make him more efficient. Uh, and when you ask a star to take a, a less active role sometimes or to play within the confines of something, uh, it, it takes a lot to get them bu- to have buy-in. I mean, we talked about uh, those uh, those early or mid 2010 teams that just never had the buy-in with Jeff Hornacek, uh, opposite here, complete buy-in 
from Devin Booker, which set the tone for everybody else to buy in uh, to this offense. And that speaks volumes to Monty's leadership. Uh, you look at, and I know that the the suspension uh, made this uh, more difficult, but what he was able to do with the growth of DeAndre Ayton. We started to see him blossom uh, in January, February, before we, we wound up in this hiatus, that, that he started to really seem to get more about the game. And I think that has everything to do with Monty Williams he and his coaching Aiden staff. He got to enjoy defense. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and not that he didn't enjoy it. the idea of defense. Aiden actually is more coachable than he appears. But uh, Monty gave him something to succeed with, yeah, and he did very good. I think he gave him uh, yep. a leader figure that 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 Aiton was was yearning for in in year one. Uh, it this is the first time in a while that it felt like there was an adult in the room that that had control over over what was going on and had a say that everybody respected. So huge props to that uh, from. And Monty. the players gave Monty credit all season too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that adult in the room, um, prior coaches the players did not ever really mention. Um, that was the opposite. If they mentioned, it was, the, it was negative. It was, uh, Right. So they almost never mention because you don't want to say negative things yeah. about your coach during the season. Uh, these guys are they're tripping on themselves talking about how great Monty Williams is. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, another guy. You got the most out of Kelly Oubre, even Frank Kaminsky. Uh, he, he got a lot out of. Uh, so in that he exceeded. I had high expectations for what he was going to be able to do. But honestly, he exceeded those. Uh, in that way for me. Uh, rotations were f- infuriating at times. We've talked about the Yakobo thing. I don't think I need to bang that drum anymore. Uh, it, it's pretty clear. Uh, so that was a disappointment. I thought we would have more out of Monty there. Uh, the out-of-timeout calls, I tried not to read too much into. Dude, they were so bad. But... They were so bad. I mean, they, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not kidding. They were the worst in the NBA. Look, though. And it's like, it's, it's glad. And I think he did an excellent job. I'm going to give him a B. But if there's one thing that dude needs to improve on, the, they never scored. Well, <laughs> those, and that was like the entire point of, of, of those. Um, the, it was just, it was bad. But look, that, that is part execution though, too. Right. Yes. The coach can only draw up something in a timeout. And if the guys don't go out there and execute it, it, it's a 50 50 proposition. Right. It's it's half on Monty. It's half on the team. And I'm guessing Monty wasn't sitting there drawing up something that it, on the on the board. He goes, and this is going to result in a turnover. Go out there, guys. Let's do this. You know, it's, like it was. <laughs> I thought actually thought Jeff Hornacek's um, out of timeout play calls were better. Yeah, he uh, he was a- exceptional in that in that situation but so that one i i kind of give as a wash but overall right, I, I think he's guys... a, i think he's a b i mean i really okay, think let's see what these guys are saying in the chat here i'm gonna go with a b minus uh dave with... you do the uh you do so oh, hold on dave gave a b greg gave a b i gave a b minus i really high expectations of money though um and so dave you do the uh the listener chat okay so let's see we got kurt giving money a b um, <clears throat> let's see. I'm find, trying to find another hand boys. Hand boy, please give me money a B plus. Old, old man reads comment on it. Comments on internet. Yeah, <laughs> fun segment on the Berger show with a B for sure. So yeah. Um, uh, Adam with I, a B. I don't know if you said Adam already. No, I missed it. Adam with a B. Yes, Adam Bunting with a B. So uh, looks like we got a B for money pretty much across the board. 
All right, so let's move on to Robert Sarver. Um, this is uh, going to sum up some of these things, let you guys go. We'll start with Greg after that. Uh, letting Aaron Nelson go. And we saw what happened with the team this year. Wait, who are we doing right now? We're doing uh, Sarver? Robert Sarver. Yep. Uh, oh, seemingly keeping away from the team in a way that um, I, from the outside looking in, have not seen in a very long time. And also he did some really cool charitable things um, that we aren't going to mention on air, but I do think uh, speaks volumes for him as an individual and as a person. Greg. Uh, look, I don't blame the training staff on him. That's a usually a GM decision and a, you know, a president or vice president of basketball operations, whatever James Jones official title is. That's that's on on James. So that'll factor okay. into his grade for me. Uh, right. You you guys are can have different opinions. That's just kind of the way I feel about it. And I'm going to shock a lot of people here. I'm going to give Robert Sarver an A. He stayed away from the team. He spent the money in the years to get Monty Williams. Uh, he seems to have committed to James Jones uh, and and what his plan is. Uh, that he got he he paid for uh, he is paying for a new practice facility, and he managed to find a way even against a city council that a majority seemed not to want to actually go through and fund this thing to get the arena redone. This is the best offseason we've seen from Robert Sarver and best season we've seen from Robert Sarver because he stayed away from uh, from the team stuff and got the business stuff done uh, in a way uh, that was necessary. And then in in a time of need, he stepped up and he paid for uh, he, he paid for those uh, those game night workers that were going to miss uh, miss time. So. I mean, this could change. There could be things that they come up over the next few months that that change an opinion. But right now, I think it's an A. I think he did everything. Uh, I mean, granted, like we talked, expectations were probably low in this case. But he came through and he did the things that this team needs to uh, to build a foundation for success moving forward. That doesn't mean uh, there won't be things in the future that 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 impede this progress. But for me, it's an A right now. Man, you guys are being nice. I got a B plus, man. I'm honestly, I was pretty impressed with Sarber. You're gonna give him a B plus. Okay, yeah. so Greg's got the A. You got the B plus. Uh, man, I'm struggling with this one because I still, I think, I think he made some, some got got helped into making some good decisions, um, hiring, putting James Jones in charge. Although he did once again, what he always does is he puts somebody in charge that's never done it before, so they'll take less money and want this as a prove it thing uh, and that he feels like he can puppet. Um, well, and he also, and uh, I feel like an idiot right now I'm trying to think who else did he bring in? Somebody not media facing. Uh, yeah. Jeff from the Bauer. Business. Yeah. Bauer. Bauer. Yep. Yeah. Jeff Bauer. I think that was some of that came from um, people who were advising him uh, and Jeff Bauer hasn't really ended up. I don't know. I've never even seen him. Um, and then there's, so it, so Sarver did some good thing. He allowed, James Jones to hire Monty Williams, although he needed 10 years of failed coaches to be able to get to this point where he finally had fine. I'll give him, I'll, I'll do a real coach. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I've got to give him maybe a C plus. I can't go higher than a C plus. I think we're on the edge of him pushing the team into something else bad. <laughs> and I want to see this continue for more than, if I was doing a, a, 
performance evaluation, I would still say uh, you're on the you're just about a just about a meets expectations, but you're uh, real close to um, falling back if you don't keep this up. So <clears throat> I I, I got I have a hard time giving him anything better than a C plus. So that's where I'm laying. Dave, let me ask you a question. You're a leader uh, in your day job, right? And uh, nursing home leader. You, yes, he runs a nursing home <laughs> for the government. For the government. Uh, no, but uh, you you talk about how uh, you, you discredit Sarver for you know allowing other or hiring people or listening to other people, and that influences decisions. But isn't that a sign of good leadership? Oh no, no, kind of I didn't mean to imply that. Thank you for that clarification. No, you absolutely need to take advice from other people and come with a be- the best collective decision. Absolutely. Um, I'm just saying that he didn't come up with it himself. Um, I don't trust that he's going to keep listening to other people. I okay. guess is what I really. That's fair. Meant he's not he's not ready to fly on his own and making his own decisions. That's what I really meant. It's absolutely imperative to take advice from other people, and he should have been doing it more in his past ten years. Liz in the chat brings up a good point too. He did bring Larry Fitzgerald into the ownership group as well, so uh, that's he's, at least a fan facing thing. Connections with with players because the players all love him individually. Well, not all. Doesn't Devin Booker like hang out a at his house? <laughs> yeah, Booker hangs out at his house a lot. I can I can tell you that that feeling is not true for one Marchin Gortat, but uh, others <laughs> others very much may like it. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, all in all, I think. Um, oh, you know what, Liz? You are absolutely right. Expectations were so low, and he has, this is about exceeding expectations. You know what? I totally fucked up. This is about exceeding. This is about expectations, not performance. Because that's why we all gave Frank the best grade on the team. He did exceed expectations this year as an owner. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know what? Thank you, Liz, for reminding me. Yeah. Um, then I, I kind of have to jump into the B range. Uh, Dang it. Uh, B, thank B you, Liz. What, where, where are you going with? B. I'm just going to go B. You're uh, right. He, he exceeded expectation. He wasn't perfect. The Suns didn't actually make any big splashes. They made a lot of low radar splashes that didn't cost them a lot of money. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of the overall arena deal and practice court as um, we might you might think because um, they jacked up ticket prices for next year. We haven't even talked about that. They jumped up ticket prices from 10 to 60 percent on people for season tickets to pay for the arena that's already being paid for by the public. Right. Well, they're they're cl- I, I don't know. I you're always going to, when there's new amenities and things that that are, are better, it's a business thing. Like, every team does this. You know, when the Clippers move to their new arena in Inglewood, they're going to jack up prices. Like, this this is a, business, a factor of the business, not yeah, a but factor of Robert Sarver. Maybe you make the playoffs first. So I, get, I get that. I'll, I'll, I don't I'll jump to that. the B because he exceeded expectations this year as an owner. The bar was so low. So thank you, Liz, for straightening me out. It's all it's it's all about um you know where uh, where the expectations were. So uh, James Jones, you're gonna sum up uh, a couple of thoughts. Um, letting TJ, getting rid of TJ Warren, for absolutely nothing, and that's the the important part of that statement. Um, to Greg's point, letting Aaron Nelson go, um, getting rid of Melton but keeping Kobo. 
Uh, Rashawn Holmes walking uh, when they could have got him on a team-friendly deal. Great that they brought Aaron Baines in. And the Cam Johnson pick, the draft day, really just draft day. And and I like Cam Johnson. I think he's going to be really good, and I'm excited he's on the team. Um, but the way that dra- the, the entire draft day went down, I think all that needs to be um, considered. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and you were you were uh, giving us the the potential negatives uh, among all the positives. So the yep. positives being that he brought in uh, collectively, he focused on young uh, prime veterans who, with playoff experience, they know how to play competitive basketball. Uh, he even brought in this college players he brought in are the ones who know how to play competitive basketball because they did it for years in college. So he had a model that he was going to apply for this year. We don't know if that model is going to be the same every single year, although he made his entire career out of that. Basically, he acquired eight guys just like him who play different positions and have different skills, but played like him in terms of they're going to make the most out of every minute they're on the court and they don't expect to be on the court every minute. Um, he brought in, he, he made some good decisions, very good decisions within that scope of, of the kind of players he was trying to acquire. He was setting a foundation that allowed DA and book to excel and to show whether they can be the foundation of a winning team. And I think what we saw this past season is that DA and book can be the corner pieces of a winning team with the right players around them. They showed it and, and he proved the theory because we were going to find out this year one way or the other, we're going to find out if you get more competitive players around him and a good scheme and, and, uh, and all that can Devin Booker contribute to winning can Deandre Ayton contribute, contribute to winning. And we show, and we, we know it now that they definitely can. Are they going to be the two best players on a championship team? We still don't know that, but we do know they can be the best players on a good team. And, um, that is, that is exactly, exactly what James Jones was trying to prove, prove this year. So I think he did all that very, very well. Um, where I would, and as far as exceeding expectations, I had an expectation for him to do well. I thought he was going to do these kinds of things because he talked about it the whole prior year. I would kill him if he didn't end up doing these. Um, I would kill his grade, uh, if he didn't end up doing the things he said he was going to do. So he's still, but he didn't acquire another star. He didn't suddenly turn him into a playoff team. Uh, and he's, he did stick with his guns. Even at the, even at the trading deadline, he didn't try to acquire somebody and they needed someone. Well, they needed they, someone. No, no, you, you can say, you can say that he didn't acquire somebody, but I, I don't think that you can a hundred percent say he didn't try to. True. They didn't try to that. I mean, they did try to, but he didn't make it happen and he needed to, because they were within shooting distance of a playoff spot within a week or two of that trade deadline. And he could have done something could have done something. Right. And he didn't do something. He didn't get it done. Um, he wasn't willing to change that plan for the year. And while you know what Ryan McDonough did that he pivoted, uh, when things, uh, they exceeded expectations and he failed badly. So it's possible that he avoided disaster by, uh, James Jones avoided disaster by not making big moves. I get it, but I can't give him a, I can't give him a nearly perfect, so I'm going to go with a B on this season for James Jones. I am very happy with him in the position he's in. I want to see him continue it. And if he does, he'll continue to exceed expectations. So I really think he's got a B. Uh, 
Yeah, I think there's a, a mixed bag here, obviously. Uh, we talked about training staff. Uh, we've hammered uh, that over over this year that was a obviously a fail draft night i think you can argue was a was a wash right tj warren uh was one of those locker room guys that quietly just kind of undermined culture uh you know i hate to be negative tj was always very nice to me but it's just kind of kind of his demeanor it just seemed to undermine culture so with James Jones obviously promising to change the culture and I think delivering on that uh the TJ Warren thing was a step in that could he have gotten more probably uh but we brought our fan favorite cash considerations back in so I'm okay with that it lets that joke (laughs) live it lets that joke live on so uh so I'll give him a wash and then if you really look at that that trade with the 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 Timberwolves uh, on draft night. Uh, it, you get Cam Johnson, you get Dario Saric, uh, and and okay, it, it Dario had moments, you know, but but the effort and what he was trying to accomplish there was giving you a starting caliber power forward on a roster that was completely devoid uh, of that the previous year. Uh, I look at that and I go, okay, uh, the the thought process was right there. Uh, and at times it seemed like it might work, but it didn't quite. And Cam, I think we all see the potential. The injury is is the scary thing. And the other thing on draft night was the acquiring uh, of Baines, which it, they don't have that fast start and they don't stay above water during DeAndre Ayton's uh, uh, suspension without Aaron Baines. So, or they could have just kept Rashawn Holmes. I'm not a Rashawn Holmes guy. I'm not I, a, as big a Rashawn Holmes guy either. I don't. Uh, Rashawn Holmes actually did not do anything to help DeAndre Ayton get better. Aaron Baines worked every single day to help DeAndre Ayton get better. I, I actually, for the role that they needed, um, I really think that that um, Aaron Baines was much much better than Rashawn Holmes would have been for DA this year. And DA is really the future. Rashawn Holmes wanted himself to be the future, and he's getting it now. I'm happy for him in Sacramento. But he's not going to make somebody around him better because he's trying to make himself better. Um, I, 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 how uh, James Jones got there this past summer on putting that roster together is is um, fodder for all kinds of discussion. He got there in a weird way that people don't get there, but he still ended up with a much better team for the same money that was being spent the year before for a much worse team. Yeah, I yeah, I just Rashawn isn't it wasn't high on my list, and I think Aaron Baines provided more than you you would have more of what they needed while uh, DeAndre was out than you would have gotten with Rashawn Holmes. So I think draft night is as much as I panned it at the time is probably a push. But to Dave's point, uh, he came in and did everything he promised he was going to do. He changed the culture. There's no doubt in that. He brought in a coach that, that was legit in Monty Williams that we just went through every reason why he was. Uh, and he said this was going to be a, 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 a stepping stone year where it was learning what you had and, and being competitive but maybe not being a playoff team. They, they definitely checked that box, and they surprised. I think they exceeded that in a, in a lot of ways. So overall, I'm going to land at a B. I think he was he, he did what he said he was going to do. It's better than where we've been, uh, and there's room for growth. And I don't think there's anything <coughs> wrong with, with a B in this situation as James Jones adapts to the job. Let me use, uh, let me use really quick uh, Frank Kaminsky as an example. 
of how to grade Jones. Um, Frank Kaminsky on his Pros and Joes podcast, the first um, the first episode this year, he talked about the experience of joining the Suns, and he is so excited about being on the Suns. He thinks the culture is great. He thinks they're they're doing the right things. They they talk to him the right way about joining the team. They made him feel like he was a part of the team. He doesn't think he needs to start all the time. He doesn't think he needs to be the greatest player on the team. He just wants to be a part of this. And when was the last time we heard that uh, from a Suns player that they want to be a part of what's here with these people right now? It's been a while, and I think that you have to give Jones credit for getting the right guys in the locker room for this. Frank is um, is a good guy to have in the locker room and on the court um, and in a supporting role. And then he just stepped right up as soon as De- when DeAndre Ayton went down and everybody was getting hurt. Um, Frank stepped up and was was being fairly effective, and so was Dario. And that, that and I think that's because we had the right guys on the team. And that, and they didn't. The season season didn't completely derail. Frank, even he's like, I don't think we had the whole team for one game this year. It sure would be nice to have a fully healthy Suns team this season. I know all the teams have injuries. I get it, but these guys know that they can be good if they could just be healthy. And I, I think that that was a huge plus. Um, and so that that contributes to the B grade for Jones. What do you think, Tim? What's your what's your call? Uh, I give him a I give him a B plus and. That is because I had really low expectations of what he would do on draft night. And, um, you know, he lived up to those. So I can't knock him for that. I didn't think he was going to do better. And then he did worse. It was exactly what I thought was going to happen. And that happened. So, no, I gave him B plus. I thought to all the points that you guys made, uh, changing the culture, um, bringing in Ricky Rubio. And, you know, my thoughts on Ricky Rubio. uh, uh, bringing in Monty Williams and uh, for a long time uh, for taking those swings on those quality uh, power forwards, um, whatever you might think of, of Frank Kaminsky, but Dario Saric was filling a position of need and he mm-hmm. got him on a deal that was, look, if it works out this year, great. If it doesn't, then we'll just try again for something else next year. But it was a, a stopgap that was worth the experiment a hundred percent. You know, at the end of the day, I think we learned that Mikel Bridges might actually be the, the star starting power forward of the future, although that's a debate for another episode and we have a long time to do so. So summing it up, James Jones, Dave gave a B, Greg gave a B, I gave a B plus. Robert Sarver, Dave gave a B, I gave an A, or uh, excuse me, Greg gave an A and I gave a B plus. And Monty Williams, Dave gave a B, Greg gave a B, and I gave a B minus. So Robert Sarver winds up with the highest grade out of all of uh well, all of them. All, He's the Frank Kaminsky of the front office. All Robert Sarver really had to do is just like stay out of the way. <laughs> hey, I get he did it. So hey, by the way, Liz Liz in the chat totally gets it. She says I give Jones a B, exceeded expectations. Expectations. Uh, in fact, maybe a miracle maker, perhaps. But I didn't like giving away TJ and letting Nelson go. So thank you, Liz, yep. for for weighing it. Yeah, we've got Steve Holler giving him a C. Um, we had somebody in there. Let's see. Adam Bunting gave him a D. Ooh, that was that's that's <laughs> all right. Get real here, uh, Jeremy. Um, I oh, I thought you gave him an A, but that was just the first know. letter of a sentence. Never how mind. How do you how do you give him a D when you look at where the team was before? I don't know. I did some people. Look, Everyone has the right to their own opinion. Look, well, and I, and I want to know why they have that opinion. Three and a half months ago, I would have three three and a half months ago, I would have given him a D. Yeah, well, uh, let's see. Some criminally bad it. calls. Cam is the only reason it's not an F. 
Yeah, see, that's well. So you, know, you don't like Aaron? You don't like Aaron Baines or Frank or, or Dario or Ricky? Or Ricky, I mean, or, that's Cam's the only thing that gets it from or an Monty F. Williams. Yeah. Explain yourself, Adam Bunting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, Greg, we are coming out, or actually we're a little bit over an hour. Do we have a donkey award this week? We don't. We're going to take a little time off. I feel like in these, uh, in these current times, I feel like we need a little less negativity like that and, and a little more positivity. So maybe I'll come up with something else that we can fill the void. But don't you guys get too comfortable with negative stuff because it's coming back once we all feel a little bit better in this world. <laughs> Uh, uh, Wednesday episode. Are you guys going to do one this week? And if Dave doesn't want to get drunk with his daughters, then yes, we'll do one. <laughs> I'd love to do another one this week. We have people offering to join us for our solar party. Um, we might bring Rhett back. We might bring on the Suns Report guys. We might bring on uh, Timeline guys. I think we just got to figure it out. I think Rhett's still sitting on the Skype call, just waiting for us. I felt yeah. like he was uh, he was just yearning to talk to anybody that uh, that, that had similar so interests. That was so fun. <laughs> my my yeah. favorite part Maybe was the we'll... mic. Was Greg's mic not working for like the first three minutes of the episode? Oh, Jesus so, Christ! So you want to know yes. why? Okay. I told you guys uh, a peek behind the curtain for everybody watching. I actually, in my day job, have been running a lot of uh, live webinars, live web streams since all this happened. And I use the same program we use for the show. Well, I'm muted in that because I'm just the producer. I'm not on camera. I'm just talking in the ear of whoever's on the Skype call. So I just forgot to unmute the damn thing because I, because of work settings. But I haven't screwed up and put us on my uh, on my work channel yet. So that's a win. <laughs> That's that's the well, one that matters because, because I wouldn't have a job anymore. Espo, so we didn't even know he was muted. Yeah, like well, I yeah, could be, hear him just fine. Because in the Skype in the Skype call, I wasn't muted. In the program right. we used to stream, I was. Yeah. So, so oops, none sorry. of us caught on until somebody commented that uh, we can't hear anything that Greg's saying. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Steve Holler in the chat asked me to give an honorary donkey award to Cody James Hunt for tweeting that they should trade Cam Johnson. So uh, <laughs> so honorary from the chat, Donkey Award uh, today. But we, we need more positivity in this uh, world right now. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, you guys, uh, let's go round robin. Dave, what have you been uh, doing the last week that is that is interesting? What have I been doing? That, well, I'm listening I'm actually... to you. What have you been thinking about? What's going on? Yeah, um, I've actually been getting more involved in doing uh, video calls. I've never done other than with you guys on this. I don't do phone calls. I don't do video calls. Um, I usually like to see people and then I only text them in between uh, when I can't see them. And that's that's a whole different world for me. So my world is kind of upside down. It's totally different than it was before working. uh, Now I'm working from home, hardly ever leaving this place. It's very, very different. So as far as I'm still in the doldrums of, look, I'm just going to binge Netflix. Um, so I'm not doing anything really cool and interesting, actually, other than staying really much better in touch with my family. Um, that's that's about it. Uh, I, I have been listening to my entire vinyl collection because my record player is in my home office. I usually don't get a lot of time to do it. And now instead of uh, listening to Spotify at work, I'm a... Uh, popping on the headphones and, and rolling through all the uh, vinyl that I have. But I actually think I've 
come to the end of about the 50, 55 uh, records I have in my collection, and I either have to start over or start buying stuff on Amazon. And then the other thing, I'm watching uh, Barry on HBO. Uh, I was oh, I that's had not a been great watching show. it. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great show. So. Yeah, I've been doing, um, I mean, with all the little streaming apps, I mean, uh, Little Fires Everywhere, Ozark Season 3, um, lots of different, uh, series like that. And, uh, so I've just been, uh, Tiger King. We talked about that, uh, last week, uh, last time with Rhett on the, on the show. So there's, there's all those kind of things. That's mainly what I've been doing at nights and weekends and, and then getting uh, outside and going for long solo walks. Also, I'm still trying to figure out how we can watch an old game together and stream it on, uh, on YouTube. If anybody has any ideas, uh, feel free to tweet us, uh, at Espo or at Sun Solar Panel, uh, so we can figure that out as It'd well. It'd be great to watch you and Bloomer actually call an old game. Uh, I I think we I think Bloomer would do it if I can figure out the t- the technological side so we all can watch it together and show the audience. We'll make it happen. We got we got nothing but time, you know. So So Tim, it's your turn. What have you been doing that's interesting this past week? Uh, I've been watching a lot of live performances by bands, and I think that one of the really great things right now that's been happening is all these bands that um, it's it's been really tragic that they haven't been able to tour. A lot of these guys, you know, because I worked in the concert industry for so long, are friends of mine, and their incomes have been completely um, um, uh, cut off. But, but that being said, I think that a lot of bands have found a way to connect with with fans all over the internet and getting more comfortable in putting these live performances together. So uh, Authority Zero, for example, uh, Jason DeVore, he's been doing a bunch, but they actually went to, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the the little club in Phoenix, and they did an entire uh, um, acoustic concert last night, um, and I ended up buying a, a shirt from them. Uh, Brian Fallon put together a um, hour-long show during my lunch break the other day. Uh, the supervillains have been doing live shows on um, on on Facebook. I've been watching some other smaller artists as well do some live shows. So I've been tuning into a lot of that. I, I picked up the Lucky Boys Confusion, um, put out a limited release of their 1999 album growing out of it with only 500 copies. Uh, and I'm super thankful that I was one that I was able to get a copy of that. And then my most exciting project is a quarantine playlist that I've put together that I'm updating every Sunday and through the week I work on it. And uh, you know I get the songs in a certain order. So really, I've just been giving all of my money to musicians and really enjoying connecting uh, with music in a way that I haven't really had a chance to, to do so in a long time. Is uh, Don't Stand Too Close to Me on that list? Have, uh, <laughs> it's, there... it's no, but uh, this this <laughs> Sunday, and I will put a, a link on uh, the, the, the podcast feed as well as the YouTube, but this Sunday it's starting out with uh, Quiet Holler's Monta Block. And if anybody knows that song, I think it's just a, a super great uh, quarantine song to start it off. But no, it's been it's been really nice. There there was REM's 40th anniversary um, was this week, and an REM fan um, put together a, a a show of him playing the guitar and everything and, and doing all the songs, like a 10 song show in his living room. And it's just been. It's been really, really cool to see the national something that you know Greg and I are huge national fans. They've been doing these um, uh, rebroadcasts every Monday on YouTube, and 100% of the donations are going to their their touring staff, their merch guys, their their uh, stagehands, and that's been you know super awesome to to see as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, as REM says, says, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. But I may also be spreading the virus. So, But I also may be... <laughs> yeah, they'll have to update the song. That's right. Seriously. And so on uh, that note, we will... Well, these guys will be back again on Wednesday. I'll see you all next Saturday. And we appreciate you guys giving an hour plus of your time to the Sun Solar Panel. Goodbye.